Hello and welcome to the Greenhouse Church Podcast. My name is Benj Gould and I'm the lead pastor. We are all about creating an environment where anyone can follow the way of Jesus. So we hope that this teaching helps you on your way. Good morning. Yesterday was Sunday and uh, we unfortunately had some technical difficulties, so uh, the podcast wasn't recorded, but I am coming to you live from my office to give you, dear listener, a custom podcast of Sunday's teaching. Um, have you heard that phrase, thoughts and prayers? You know, sending thoughts and prayers whenever there's, you know, a fire or a flood or some sort of tragedy. Sending thoughts and prayers to you. Or this sort of happens more on an individual level. When you say that you're going through something and someone says, I'll be praying for you but you know full well that they won't actually pray for you or you've done this for yourself. You know, we've all done this. You know, you said, I'll I'll be praying for you and you have no intention at all to pray for that person. And I just think it's interesting that we have reduced the idea of prayer, praying for one another, to a form of sentimentality or of thoughtfulness. You know, it's it's about sending thoughtfulness to someone. I wonder if we've pacified prayer, if we've taken the teeth out of it. Um, on the other hand, you know, I had someone come up last week, um, within our church and she had tears in her eyes and she was, you know, one of her friends had gone through a, a horrific tragedy and accident that weekend. And she said, the first people I knew to turn to was the greenhouse prayer team because I knew that they would actually pray. It's a different phrase, isn't it? You know, I wonder how we turn from being thoughts and prayers type people to, you know, I'll be praying for you type people to, you know, I know that person's actually going to pray. How do we move from those two types of people? Uh, We've been going through a a series called the house of prayer. Uh, The first week I talked about why we don't pray. And then we've been going through Pete Greggs, uh, who is the founder of 24 seven, his acronym on prayer, P-R-A-Y. Uh, Carol Renucci spoke on pause that we actually need to slow down and find Jesus in the silence and the solitude. Alyssa spoke on rejoice, returning to joy, um, and the act of worship and gratitude as form of prayer. I'm going to talk about today the asking, P-R-A, asking, and then uh, next week uh, our friend John Ives from Center Point Vineyard is going to come and speak on yes. How do we hear God and put what he's saying into action? So that's that's good. Um, if you get nothing else from today, there's this brilliant Charles Spurgeon quote. He's a, um, a preacher from the 1800s. He says, whether you like it or not, whether you like it or not, asking is the rule of the kingdom. Whether you like it or not, asking is the rule of the kingdom. Let me show you what I mean by that in Luke chapter 11. This is a story. Um, it starts with Jesus. He's off in a certain place praying. He comes down and the disciples ask him, teach us how to pray. They have seen the life, that Jesus' life with the Father. And they say, um, uh, teach us, teach us what you're doing, teach us. And he gives them the Lord's Prayer. And then he goes on with this parable and says uh, in verse 5, then teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight, wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. 
And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night. My family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you want because of your shameless persistence. Now, in in the West, we kind of look at this little parable that Jesus tells, and we think the dude knocking at midnight is in the wrong, right? Like, who goes to someone's house? His family's asleep. You know, they're all in bed. They probably don't even have bread. They have to get up and make it. You know, this this dude is really, you know, he's in the wrong here. Uh, But in Jewish culture, the host is certainly in the wrong. If someone comes to your house asking for something, as a good host, as a hospitable person, you would, of course, get up and do something for them, especially if they're your friend. But it says, it, this is what um, uh, is a contrast parable. Jesus often uses this. He's like, even this dude who won't get up for his friend will get up because of dishonor's sake. Um, you know, the way the houses were built, you know, there'd be lots of houses close together. And so someone knocking at midnight would affect the whole community and everyone would know that this dude is a, a, is a terrible host and he hasn't gotten up. And so the contrast is even this guy would get up. How much more would God up? God get up for you? How much more would God welcome your disruption at any time of the day or night? Verse nine and 10, it goes on. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Whether you like it or not, asking is the rule of the kingdom. And Jesus is is imploring patience, consistency, urgency in our prayer life. Ronald Rollheiser has this great line. He says, the one rule to prayer, the one rule is that you just show up regularly. The one rule to prayer is just to show up regularly. Whether you like it or not, asking is the rule of the kingdom. Verse 11. This is another contrast parable. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give to the Holy give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You guys suck at being dad, is what what Jesus is saying. Even you guys who are crap dads would give your son or daughter a loaf of bread if they ask and not a snake or a scorpion. How much more would God do this? And if you put these two parables together, it's an invitation that we are not just a weary traveler coming to God's house. We are not just a friend coming to God's house. We are sons and daughters. We are welcome to the home. Like the home is ours and God welcomes our disruption. But the interesting thing about this little verse is that the answer to the prayer, the answer to the asking and the knocking and the seeking, we see it here in verse 13. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask? How much more would the Father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Not just the thing that we're praying for, but himself. And I love this. This goes back to what I talked about in the first week of our series, that prayer is ultimately not transactional, but relational. 
prayer is not some cosmic vending machine that we go to and just hope to get the right, the right thing back. The answer to our prayers is God himself showing up with us, his presence. And we know, you know, the disciples didn't really understand what this meant yet, but they began to live this out in Acts. When the Spirit shows up, stuff happens. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit falls upon men and women, old and young, and there's miracles. The first church is planted, 3,000 people. People are coming to faith. There's this like new community being built. People are fed. Um, there's this like spreading movement going on. There is healing going on. There's miracles. People are freed from prison. There's people are freed from demonic activity. There's like racial reconciliation between Jews and Gentiles. It's like incredible stuff happens. Justice happens when the Spirit of God comes up, when He shows up. And the answer to our prayers is often God Himself. I love that. Whether you like it or not, asking is the rule of the kingdom. We see this all through Jesus' teaching. Luke chapter 18, we go further on into the book, another contrast parable. There's a widow, she goes to an unjust judge, and she just keeps persisting him, and eventually he yields. And even the unjust judge would yield to a consistent uh, widow coming to him. How much more would God welcome you asking? And John 15 verse 7, it's the famous passage of, um, you know, the vine and the branches. And Jesus says, if you remain in me, you can ask whatever you want and it will be done. Whatever you want. Those are strong words. Uh, Mark 11 is the story of, uh, you know, the house of prayer. Jesus flips over the temples. He says, my father's house will be called a house of prayer. And then he goes on and he says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, jump and it will move. It's a big words. Asking is the rule of the kingdom. We see this all through scripture, not just in the um, Jesus teaching. We see Elijah and he prophesies that there's going to be no rain um, in the land and there's no rain. And then God tells him that the rain's going to come. And so he goes to the mountain and he prays. And every time he prays, he sends out his, his helper, his assistant to go and check if there's any clouds coming. Seven times he prays until there's a, a cloud the size of a man's fist. Is this kind of like, like consistency, this persistent prayer that we're implored to do, whether you like it or not, asking is the rule of the kingdom. But why? Why do we need persistence? Is there like a magical number that we need to get to? Like, is God just waiting to like, you know, tick off the list? Like, oh, he only got to 97 prayers. If he just got to 98, then I would have said yes. That's a pretty hard thought to wrestle with. I was wrestling with this with someone in our church just the other week. And um, this person has had back troubles for a long time and they've prayed and they've asked God to, to heal them. And then one Sunday, we had like all those back healings on a Sunday just because of a prophetic word. And this person, you know, put their hand up as well for, for prayer. And they saw all these other people around them get healed. The stories come out after the Sunday gathering and yet they didn't get healed. What's up with that? Why do we have to be persistent in our prayer? Why doesn't God just answer us? Um, Pete Gregg says there are three reasons that we would see unanswered prayer. Why we wouldn't get the answer that we want. The first one is God's war. That there is a spiritual reality to our, our world. There is always the thing behind the thing. There's always unseen things going on. Ephesians 6 says that we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Um, 
in Daniel 10, there's a famous story of Daniel. He's doing the Daniel fast. That's where we get that from. He's fasting for 21 days, just eating fruit and vegetables. And he's fasting, praying every day. And finally, on the 21st day, uh, the archangel Michael turns up. And he said, man, as soon as you started praying, I was dispatched. I was on my way, but I got caught up fighting the prince of Persia. Now, like, what the heck does that mean? There's some sort of prince over a, over a, an area. But the reality is there is, a, there is more going on than what we can see, more going on than what we, what we know. And when we pray, we are waging war. Uh, we pray in persistence because there is opposition to the will of God. There is an enemy who wants the complete opposite to what God wants. And so that's one reason why we might see resistance or unanswered prayer. The next one is God's world. So God's war and God's world. The world is set up with natural laws, gravity, entropy, things break down. Um, death is a reality. Sin is a reality of our world. And um, miracles, by definition, this is what C.S. Lewis talks about, miracles by definition are rare. Otherwise it wouldn't be a miracle. <laughs> and in some ways, you know, you look around at life and like everything is a miracle. I'm looking out the window right now and there is a water falling from the sky. Like that is a miracle. But there are certain laws to the way that the world works. And for God to go against those is a miracle for to speed up healing or to bring miraculous provision or a sign and a wonder. But by definition, that is rare. It goes against the normal. And so we fully believe, I fully believe in miracles. I've seen them happen. Um, but we have to understand that by definition, they are rare, this side of new creation. The one thing I do know, Mark Batterson, I love how he puts it, he says, 100% of the prayers I don't pray won't get answered. And so we know miracles are rare, but we still ask. We still pray. We keep on asking. We keep on seeking. We keep on knocking. So there's God's war. There's God's will. God's world. And then there's God's will. Sometimes what we are praying is in opposition to what God actually wants. Maybe there's a bigger story at play. The most famous example of this is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he asks God, he prays, he asks the Father, he says, Father, please take this cup away from me. He's talking about the cross. And we know how the story ends. We're coming up to Good Friday. We know that the Father didn't say yes to that prayer. He said no. But there was a bigger story at play. And the Father saying no to Jesus in that moment was the Father saying yes a billion times over to the people that would come after Jesus to us today. And sometimes we just don't know the full story. Yeah, you know, many of you would know Mel and I have been trying to buy a house for the last you know, year, two years. I don't know what it is. And about seven months ago, we there was like this um, a coming together of all these loose threads, and we had this money here, and there was this house that came up it was like our dream house in our dream location, and we had the money, and we thought we thought this was God giving us this house, and we went to the auction, and we we're like, oh no, there's so many people here, but it ended up just being us and another person bidding, just the two of us, and we got our bid. And um, it was devastating because we thought God was giving us this this house. All these things came together. And we're just like, this is it. This is the moment. God's sort of being so gracious and giving us this gift. 
Um, but now I look back seven months later and all the interest rate rises, uh, we would have already been stretching ourselves at that moment and going a little bit further because of the emotional buy. And we would have been a wreck financially if we had bought that house. And so I'm so gracious. I'm so, I'm so grateful to God that that was a no in that moment um, because I know it's a better yes coming on. God's timing is good. And whether, you know, we are seeing unanswered prayers because of God's war or God's world or God's will, the one thing I do know, and this has been the biggest revelation for me most recently, is that our prayers are never wasted. We see this in Revelation 5. In verse 8, there's this beautiful verse, almost a throwaway sort of moment, where it says the, the prayers of the believers are collected in golden bowls like incense in the throne room of God. You think, oh, that's nice. God's collecting our, our prayers, you know, little collectibles. But then we see a couple of chapters later in Revelation 8, those prayers, those bowls are poured out on the earth and there's lightning and thunder. And it's, it's those prayers that we've prayed that actually join into what Jesus is doing in restoring and bringing new creation. And so all the prayers that we've prayed for healing and forgiveness and for someone to come to know Jesus and um, the, the prayers for, you know, injustice and the things that we see in the world that are just not right. All those prayers are gathered and collected and at the end of the age are poured out upon the earth and we join in with God in bringing new creation. Karl Barth says that we, we rule with God through prayer, that we're always meant to rule. We're always meant to be co-rules with God. That's the kind of imagery of Genesis chapter 1 and 2, that have dominion over the earth to be God's representatives and rule God's image in the earth. And Karl Barth says, you know, the way that we do that is through our prayer. Our prayers are powerful, and whether we see them answered today or tomorrow or in the, on the coming of the new age, we are joining with God in the restoration of all things. And all those prayers that we've prayed that we feel like went unanswered will become answered at the end of the age. There's um, a desert. I wish you could see this picture, but there's a desert um, called Atacama Desert in Chile, one of the driest places on earth. It's, in fact, so dry that it's where they test um, Mars equipment because it most mimics the surface of Mars. And um, I've got this image off John Tyson. And there was one time when there was seven years' worth of rain in one day. And this dry, desolate, you just picture, you know, the face of Mars, just nothing there and what happened was what they call the super bloom and there's just wildflowers all across the desert just this beautiful like image of just all these different colors and they found that underneath the desert were all these seeds all these wildflower seeds and i reckon that is a great picture of this you know of what's going on in revelation here that as we pray we get to sow seeds of new creation and we don't know when the rain's coming there might be a little patch of rain today. We might see some wildflowers sprout. There might be some rain tomorrow and we see the healing that we've been praying for or the provision or, the, or someone to come to know Jesus. But we know at some point there will be a super bloom where there will be rain after rain where the spirit will come and bring new creation out of this world. And so every time you pray for the end 
of cancer or the end of sickness or the end of injustice. You are joining in with God in the recreation of all things, which we might see today, we might see tomorrow, but we will see at the end of the age. I love that. D.L. Moody, famous um, evangelist in the 1800s, he would carry around a list of 100 names that he was praying for his whole life, people to come to know Jesus. And um, he would pray for them, I think, every day. And by the end of his life, he had crossed off 97 of those names of people who put their faith in Jesus. And then at his funeral, the last three people put their faith in Jesus. And so even at this guy's funeral, a hundred of those names were crossed off. I just love that idea. Keep on asking. Keep on knocking. Whether you like it or not, asking is a rule of the kingdom. A hundred percent of the prayers that we don't pray won't get answered. So, may we plant seeds of new creation. May we be a praying community. May may we become a house of prayer, sowing seeds of new creation. Teresa of Avila says this. She was in um, the 15th century, a a Spanish Uh, mystic and she says you pay god compliment by asking great things of him may we not be afraid of asking great things of praying prayers that matter praying prayers that change things we don't know when the rain will come but we do know that we get to co-rule with god through our prayers your prayers matter whether you like it or not asking is the rule of the kingdom.